0: Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church, located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries.
1: And I'm Lisa Hancock, Director of Worship Arts.
0: During this time of transition from virtual to online and hybrid worship, The worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. Today we're going to talk with Katie Schoenhoff. Katie joined the United Methodist Health Ministry Fund in Hutchinson, Kansas as program officer in November 2013 and became director of programs in January 2019. Since this time, her main job responsibilities include grant making, capacity building, and outreach for the early childhood development portfolio, which includes social emotional health, breastfeeding support efforts, and the community health worker project for the organization. She also leads the Healthy Congregations Initiative, a health fund program engaging over 100 United Methodist churches in Kansas and Nebraska to implement ministries that improve social determinants of health. Katie's health care experience spans more than a decade and includes roles on Kansas statewide committees and coalitions addressing ACES, maternal depression, early childhood systems maternal child health and the governor's council on fitness. Katie graduated from Sterling College with a double major in health physical education and athletic training and a minor in biology. So welcome Katie and thank you for joining us today. So tell us how you're doing and what's life like for you right now.
2: Well, it's great to be on and thank you for having me. Um it's been busy. We're back to in-person travel and that seems to have really picked up. And so there's been a number of conferences and meetings that we're traveling to. So otherwise, it's, it's a busy time of year, I think. We call it conference season in, in our uh, philanthropic world. So yeah, that's what's been going on for us.
1: Katie, I have to tell you, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Full disclosure for everyone listening, Katie and I actually worked together to create six of the seven sermon guides provided by the United Methodist Health Ministry Fund to help pastors and congregations talk about public health topics. And that's exactly why we wanted to have you on the podcast today. So before we jump into the sermon guides themselves, I wondered if you could share the story of how the United Methodist Health Ministry Fund recognized a need for the sermon guides and then went about kind of imagining what it would mean to resource congregations in this way?
2: Well, first off, let me say, I don't know that we fully like full disclosure, I don't know that we fully knew when we started this what we were getting <laughs> into, which was fine. But the first part of this that was really intriguing for us is we had been working with a group, and and they're referred to pretty regularly from the Good Neighboring Movement, which is a group that we fund and and they're a partner with us through our Healthy Congregations work. Had developed the sermon guide with the help of Lisa as well for the Tending the Civic Soil, but. Really what happened is we had some partners that we were working with from in the state around the need to really think about how to talk about COVID. This was when it finally, the, the initial part of this emerged where we were talking about how as a unique position that we have within the health space, but also with the faith-based groups that we work with, how do we make sure and provide content that is helpful for them? that they were asking for, honestly, at the time too. So we had focus groups and they said they needed some trusted messengers. They needed to be able to talk about that. And so COVID was really our first entree into this work in talking about faith and vaccines and with our health background and having that opportunity that really led us into a number of different topics that that started based on that and people asking for more resources for the various public health topics that we decided to cover that that align with our work so I think one last piece to probably mention with that is the we did these focus groups and we were hearing from churches different topics that they were interested in wanting to have more information on for sure. So,
0: Well, I think we're very interested in the topics and and the list of things that you want to cover. But before we get to that, as the preaching guy and as a (laughs) preacher for many years, I'm going to talk about the format. What First of all, where can we find these guides and what exactly is in them? What what are you providing for the preacher when they go look at your resource?
2: Well, Lisa and I have talked about this. It's a pretty much a plug and play. How's that? <laughs> okay. So, it's 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 down to there are worship listed, there's children's sermons provided within there. It has I'm trying to think of all the different pieces. Lisa, feel free to interject on this.
1: So we have basically beginning to end. There's a call to worship. There's hymn selections that we suggest to go along with the sermons. There's a children's sermon for each week. Then there's exegesis on the chosen text. And then there's sermon notes on the chosen text. So it gives us a chance to unpack The content that's actually in the text, and then explore how we can connect that to the relevant public health topics. And then we also include at the end, a benediction to kind of bring everything full circle within each sermon guide.
2: Well, and one other piece I would add that you're not is also I think the bulletin inserts, which also provided a number of great resources. And we did try to tie them to the resourcing as well. So even on the side as there were different parts that we decided to discuss, there were different pieces that we teased out and lifted up that we thought were important or relevant, maybe sidebar conversations Mm -hmm. or places they could go further, depending on their interest in the topics.
0: Okay, so sermon guides is actually a misnomer. They're worship guides. (laughs) They cover everything, is what you're saying. You are fooling me.
2: Yes, that's our hope. I mean... We were tricking you.
0: <laughs> yes, you were.
2: Lisa, Lisa went to a lot more work than just um, providing a few little components. Well, she did the full I, on. For I think us, that's so. excellent.
0: And I think a lot of worship teams and preachers and look for a lot of help. And, and so to, to provide all of that, I think is a great thing. So before, again, before we come back to the topics, where do they find them? Where are they?
2: Sure. They are on our website at www.healthfund.org. And they're listed under resources and they're put together based on, there's a whole list that they the sermon guides is what it's listed under. And they are free. We are not charging for these. This is just a free resource for anyone. The other great thing that comes with these that we did not mention too, is Lisa also did a we did a recording of a retreat or a workshop for this. And we were able to pull snippets from that to really highlight the different components mm-hmm. of the the various topics that we cover. And so she put that together and there are portions of that there. And our communications officer was kind enough to put together tiles for people to be able to put on Facebook if they want to put those as well for their, you know, as they're discussing the sermons that they're planning on using at different seasons. Yeah. So. And also, I think
1: one of the things that we brought in to each of them is starting to think about this is not just for Kansas. All of these topics Mm -hmm. can be discussed across the country. And so you'll kind of find Kansas specific resources around public health topics but then we really worked to make sure we were also including kind of not only nationwide statistics and things but actually like if you're in other areas of the country here's where to start looking for your local resources around these public health topics so they can really be contextualized
0: yeah so so it's on the user in a sense to bring it to their area from all of right. that, but you give them helps into that as well well right that's, that's exciting uh when, when we create worship resources, we tend to think in terms of series. Are you thinking that this is a series of all these topics, or these are one-off that you can use at different times a year and you help us shape that? What What's the thinking behind the, the project as a whole?
1: Yeah. I mean, Katie, you're welcome to jump in on this too. I think one of the ways that we, we kind of created a graphic that you can see on the website that shows how we would suggest using each of the Each of the sermon guides or worship guides um, throughout the liturgical year. So, two of them, the journey towards mental wellness, is an Advent guide, and then our sermon guide on trauma and resilience is a Lenten guide. So, it follow Mm -hmm. each. The Advent guide follows the first three weeks of Advent, but can also is also adjusted for ordinary time because we all have our traditions for Advent that Mm -hmm. we care deeply about often. And then the Lenten one goes all the way from the first Sunday of Lent Through Easter, there's an Easter sermon to wrap it up about the resurrection as resilient love, and there's a Good Friday guide in there. So those are really kind of the two that are that are locked into time a little bit more than the others. The others are for ordinary time. We make suggestions about the timing we think would work. But you can really use them at any point. And outside of the Linton one that's obviously quite a few weeks long, we've tried to keep them at three to four weeks so that, you know, you're not making a long commitment. You're making basically a month of Sundays kind of commitment to each particular series.
0: Are, are there any that would stand alone if I had a space to do a one-off public health uh, day? Would, is there something that I could find there?
2: I mean, I I think that's where it's tricky, because I would say there are a bunch of them that you could do as standalone. One of the ones that I think that Lisa did a really nice job with in putting together is within the Advent one specifically, there is a longest night sermon Mm. that I think is beautifully done that is tied in with that. But, you know, as we talk about for Advent season, the challenges around mental health in general. And I think that's a really good one to call out. The grieving process is part of that. Again, mm-hmm. I think that was our next one that we we put together. And it really was around COVID time and recognizing how challenging that was. But we were like, we are going to come out of this at some point. So we need to make sure these are reflective. But, you know, as we all know, during the, the COVID, mental health was such a tricky time for everyone. And, and we wanted to make sure that that aligned with it. But I think that one was a really great tie as well mm-hmm. for I think, overall. I don't know if you have any ones that you would say are your favorite standalones. I actually think we have one called
1: God's Temple, and it's about kind of the Mm. four valences of health. So it it talks about mental, mental, emotional health, physical health, social health or communal health, and... Spiritual health. And while we kind of track through the letter of First Corinthians for that, those actually more than some of the others that kind of build from week to week on each mm-hmm. other, I think those can kind of function as standalones and could kind of sprinkle throughout the year if you wanted to use them that way. I think that one's also significant because we we built it based on the work that the health fund does with healthy congregations congregations, bringing, you know, think, thinking through the social determinants of health with individual congregations as they, they create projects and implement projects in their communities. So it's really to try to be a pairing to that, you know, making, making some of that material accessible to the whole congregation, even if only a team has been actively involved in the Healthy Congregations program.
0: So you're you're focusing on some of the topics that you've begun to cover which I appreciate and and hopefully you'll share some more as you go along but but let's also acknowledge that public health issues have become political issues okay. and and difficult to talk about and and there are some pastors preachers worship teams who may be hesitant to use these topics for fear of being accused of an agenda or, or a political stance or whatever. What would you say to, to those fears, those concerns that, that we have in leading worship today?
2: Well, I think one of the things that Lisa did beautifully was recognizing that we all come from a different place, right? Where we start from with these messages. And I think trying to be compassionate and very open to the conversation. We try to, I would say, definitely come at it from a lens of grace. Like let's meet people where they are. But also, again, we recognize that people are looking for trusted messengers. And we're not saying this may work for everyone if they're hesitant we tried to pick some topics that they could say, hey, this may not work for us. We could choose something else here to, to reflect on or use. But also knowing that they're looking, people are looking for resources. They want to know trusted places to be able to find information if they do want to talk about issues. Mm-hmm. I think the other part to, to me as we talk about social determinants of health. I think that language is a little tricky. It's something we use a lot. But when you think about social drivers of health, these are things that the church are facing every day. And so I don't think that the topics, while, while there may be some politicizing of it in certain aspects, I think it it resonates with what everyone is dealing with from day to day. If we're talking about poverty, if we're talking about food scarcity, if we're talking about issues that are facing families, I think there's so much of it that is relevant to the conversation, just as far as we as humans face every day and trying to bring that together with the work that we do around health. Right,
1: right. I also think part of what I wanted to make sure we brought was that every resource we had was vetted. I think it one of the things that can be so overwhelming when it does feel a little bit nerve-wracking or scary to talk about these topics is like having having someone come to you and say, I have pulled together all of these resources and these are from trusted sources and this is how I know it's a trusted source. It can, you know, it's been peer-reviewed. It's coming from a trusted research center. These messages are consistent with other messages. Like We we have the history, and we can watch the line of how this science or how this research has developed, Mm. and we can also judge it by its fruit. Does it take us into flourishing? Does it promote wellness, or is it feeding fear? Having a trusted organization like the Health Fund and having these trusted resources brought in, I think... My hope is that it is equipping pastors to kind of claim their stance as a trusted messenger, but also know like they don't have the time to spend six hours Mm -hmm. finding these resources and figuring out how to communicate the science in a way that is accessible. And so we've kind of done some of that work. My other hope is that kind of Behind it, I was always thinking, how do we give skills for talking Mm. about public health? Mm. One of those things was talking with the communications officer and with Katie about, like, it's a really different thing to say one in seven people in Kansas experience X, Y, and Z versus 50,000 people in Kansas experience X, Y, and Z because 50,000 feels so big. One in seven means I can look around the congregation and count and go, Mm. if there are 14 people, two people here are experiencing food scarcity or mental health challenges. Like it, it, it gives an opportunity to kind of bridge the gap into compassion, because this is the person possibly sitting next to me that Mm -hmm. is experiencing Mm -hmm. this public health issue. The The other end of that, and kind of maybe a related skill, was taking all of that data and saying, How does it matter to a community? Because so Mm -hmm. often we talk about health in very individualistic ways. But when we're talking about public health, we're talking about the health of our community. And as the church, we're called to care about that, right? And so it was really trying to equip and approach these things, not as this this person disagrees with me, or this person has a different view of health, but actually, no, our whole community is going to be better if we look at the fact Mm -hmm. that a high percentage of people in our area don't have nutritious food, access to nutritious food, they're in a food desert, or a high amount of the children in our area don't have access to child care, and thinking through the consequences of that for our community, and then how can we help with that? I really, I don't know what you think, Katie, but I really think that that actually promotes more grace, because it's not you're wrong mm-hmm. or you're right, but we can do something, and thinking in those terms mm-hmm. is a really significant shift.
2: I think for me, I uh, worked at a health department before I was in this role that I serve in now. And so one of the things that I would say, like working within public health, I always realized that the church is such a unique opportunity because this is where people are. This mm-hmm. is where we experience some of public health mm-hmm. because we're talking about our community in a different way. And so I fully agree that to me, it translated some of those numbers, some of those pieces that, are, that seem very abstract and when you can put a face to it, when you can put a name to it and say, I know someone that's experienced X, Y, or Z, it makes it very relatable. Mm-hmm. And hopefully then it helps people kind of come to the recognition and realization like, okay, this isn't just an issue that affects other places. It's not an issue that affects people that I don't know. I think sometimes that's what makes it really hard about public health issues is it's the other versus seeing it as our community and and who we are as a collective. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and, and I think that's a very important point that when we think about these issues, we don't say those folks out there have these issues, but but to talk about what's happening with us, you know, and mm-hmm. and right. your your model, Lisa, of, of looking at our congregation and counting. And so therefore there may be somebody in this room where I am, not just outside the walls, mm-hmm. but but in here too, and how to how to connect that. Mm-hmm. And and we're a part of the community. We are a community as the church, but we're also part of a larger community and and seek to have an impact Absolutely. there. All right. So so what other issues as as you were putting these together, there's no doubt things you were passionate about. So I want to make sure people talk about this. I have never heard this talked about in oh. church. What are the this is that, that you want to be sure that people are aware there are resources available to talk about?
2: Ooh. That's that's a that's a loaded question, Eric, I'm going to say. Um, you know, I think what's funny is this, and, and you heard Lisa mention with my background, you know, I, I cover a lot of the early childhood development mm. parts of our work. I also have a young child. And so I think that there was some of that that I wanted to make sure that the messaging I would say our maternal health one, I felt really Mm -hmm. strongly about some of the messaging that needed to come across within that. Some of the topics we talk about is maternal depression. We talk about supports for moms and the unrealistic expectations for moms. You know, and I think we had a number of people that were wanting to review. We we had a number of people reviewing those for resources, those Mm -hmm. for content. We had a plethora of different people we tried to pull from. And I had one say to me, I don't know that I feel comfortable with this because I've seen it done wrong so many times mm-hmm. within the maternal health side of things because it can leave people feeling hurt. There's trauma there sometimes for all of us. And so I think that was one that I I was very proud of where it landed. And and again, the one of the people that said that when they read it, they were like, it's done so well. So I just have Lisa to thank for that. That was one that I thought was really important that we lift up and call out. Yeah. I think the same with, I mean, there's so much good stuff within each of them that I think Lisa did such a nice job with. But I think the maternal wellness, like the journey towards mental wellness was really good. Naming trauma and practicing resilient love really focuses on some of that. There's some really deep issues within that. But Mm -hmm. then we also tried to make sure that there were a variety of things that people could pull out with that. And then... Again, early childhood development. So that one is near and dear for me, too. So I don't know. I I can't pick one, I guess. I'm terrible. But but I think all of them had a special Mm -hmm. part of it that I think was really important Mm -hmm. to lift up and call out. Mm -hmm. So, Lisa, what about you? You tell me on this.
1: I am so glad you brought up the maternal health one because our goal if you go on our on the website to see the list we definitely say do the maternal health in May start it on mm-hmm. mother's day and then go the four weeks you know from mother's day on what was so interesting to me about that one from kind of a theological and a liturgical end bringing but also bringing in the public health pieces was getting to explore Mothers in the Bible that aren't always, we, we are kind of recentering the mother in the story, right? So we start with Mary as like it's Mary's birth story in Luke, not just Jesus. Talking about that reality. Actually, I think we use the Matthew for that, but we talk about Mary's birth story as the mother of Jesus, and then talking about the the uh, Syrophoenician woman who is advocating on behalf of the health of her child. So talking about mothers as a- advocates and the need to come mm-hmm. alongside mothers as advocates, and then talking about the widow of Zarephath and and the prophet Elijah and saying, you know. That these unlikely pair, this unlikely pair come together to create a community of care that saves the life of actually several people in that story. And then returning to Mary as. The mother of the adult Jesus, and some of, and kind of pulling a couple of those encounters and looking at how that relationship, though sometimes we're like, you know, when Jesus says, My mother and my brothers are here with me, not the ones who are trying to get me to come home because they're really scared about all the stuff I'm doing. The fact that they can have that differentiation actually speaks to something healthy in the connectedness that they have. And so I just draw that out because I had fun. I had fun in a a strange way with all of this while also like it's deep and hard topics at times. But I think that one I'm especially, I feel kind of especially attached to because one, we were trying so hard to say talking about mothers and public health issues around mothers is not only for mother's day, but also Mm -hmm. how do we actually bring out mothers in the biblical text for what they're doing and how they can be a model for us instead of kind Mm -hmm. of a secondary or side character.
0: What, what I'm hearing and what I appreciate from both of you is is that these are not necessarily issue sermons. They're faith sermons and scriptural exegesis sermons mm-hmm. that then touch on issues, that impact issues, mm-hmm. and, and particularly in, in the public health area, focused on that. It's uh, I don't want to just... Say it's just application, but it's it's an understanding, a shifting of understanding. But we're not abandoning the faith to preach from the newspaper or whatever. We are. This is this is God-driven, is what I'm hearing. Would Would you agree with that?
2: Absolutely. I'm shaking my head. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes.
0: that's very helpful in the yeah. audio recording, Katie. Thank you. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Here I'm like doing this, right? Um, no, I would fully agree. I think you know, one of the things that I I've thought a number of times is. Every time I would read them, it is so deep. It is so good. The the scriptures there, the the stories are there. It is not just like standalone like, oh, you know, this this just we have a scripture reference that helps us talk about the issue. Mm-hmm. It's really using the biblical portions of this to really help tell what's happening in its current times. It's, you know, so I think there's such an important part of that, that I thought Lisa did such a fabulous job of doing. Like I said, even the children's sermons, they were like some of my favorites. Every time I'd be like, okay, I got to go there first. Because, you know, there is that application, right? But it's also like, I don't know, I thought all of it was so good. I really appreciated her view on things.
0: I can't (laughs) help but respond to the People who say, Oh, well, I've got so much more out of your children's sermon than out of your regular sermon. I hope that's not <laughs> what you meant. But anyway, that's you know, we all no. those pieces, all those pieces come together to provide us an opportunity. Yeah. So where have you experienced it, I guess, is the question. Where have you seen a church that has taken something and then put it to use? Have you been a part of a worship service or have you heard stories about about that impact? What what do you see?
2: I have heard stories. I would not say I've, again, we work with such a large number of churches. Um, So I think one of the ones that I would call out is that we have heard some that are using it for the mental health around Advent. Again, I think that was... After the the faith in vaccine component, that was our next one. And it was, again, we were hearing the need for really being able to talk about the challenges piece people are facing and just recognizing the need to be able to grieve in certain ways and to be able to be okay with the fact that we weren't okay during COVID. So I think... There was just a lot of good stuff with that, but I think people are still using it. I think it still resonates a lot. So that was one I have heard. And then they're tying it in. One of the things we've done for our churches in Kansas and Nebraska is then provided resources where they could do mental health first aid training after that. Mm. So it kind of tied in with the journeying towards mental wellness and then also providing some other supports to our local congregations so that they would have some additional training pieces to understand how to identify people at risk for mental health challenges, so. Another one that I would say that we've heard, and this has been recent, of course, is tending the civic soil mm-hmm. and really talking about how important it is for the health of our communities, for everyone to be civically engaged. And voting is a major part of that. Mm. Um, we do see that as a health issue because we know healthy communities have people who feel like they, you know, are engaged in participating actively. And so in some ways feel silly. I notice some people to say, oh, really, that's our role from the pulpit. But I think if we talk about, you know, making sure that all voices are lifted up and people are heard, voting is important. So um, yeah, we've had some groups that they've done sermons around that that have really tried to work in coordination with some of their other projects that we have. Again, we do what are called special grants for our churches within Kansas and Nebraska, and they do voter to voter teams. And so then they have the ability to, um, we really see it as relational um, support for voting. Um, So it's not like going out and canvassing. It's just asking your friends, hey, are you voting? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just to make sure people are doing what they can to help support each other. Yeah. And I think something that that we haven't
1: talked about that one much, but the tending the civic soil obviously is kind of relevant every two years in, in most right. cycles. And so we've just come out of that. But something that it does, I think it really exemplifies what uh, we, we put into many of the other sermon guides as well is really trying to instill some perspectives and skills beyond this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do. Like one of the things I love about tending the civic soil is it's not just like voting is really important and bringing out like engaged communities that vote tend to be healthier and kind of teaching around that but also saying here is what we do the day after the election because elections don't fix everything right. this is this mm-hmm. is what it means like tending the civic soil is actually saying this is one thing that we do of many things mm-hmm. to create healthy soil for a community to grow. And I, I just, so I, I had such a great experience working with the neighboring movement, putting that one together as I guess the absolute first sermon guide that we we did with yeah. the health fund. And I just want to bring that out because I, again, another contentious thing. And yet the sermon guide really tries to, be something that is that cares about what happens after Election Day, not just living into the hype that we all kind of feel around us leading up to Election Day.
0: I, I think that's a, a great distinction to make there. We've talked often about we don't want to be partisan, but you're talking about something even bigger than that. It's not just mm-hmm. partisan. You're talking about... My whole community and what's going to happen, and and mm-hmm. just and moving beyond the, the rhetoric around an election and who's in and who's out, but talking about our community as a whole, how healthy are we? How healthy uh-huh. are we as mm-hmm. individuals, as as smaller communities, as a larger community, as a nation, as a world? All of those kinds of things. I I, I hear that impact, mm-hmm. and certainly. Followers of Jesus Christ, those who are in the business in in our denomination of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, has got to include that that view of how things are happening and what's going mm-hmm. on. Yep. I I thank you, Katie and Lisa. Uh, even though Lisa, you're part of the team, and I know <laughs> all the good stuff you work. But <laughs> but it's good to meet you, Katie, and to share with us this valuable yes. resources. Tell us one more time where's the website? We'll put it in the in the sure. In the notes on the website, but but tell us again.
2: Well, and, and again, I probably just said healthfund.org. And I would say there's even if you go backslash a slash sermon dash guides, it will take you directly to that section. I forgot to add that part in, but yeah, it's at healthfund.org slash a slash sermon dash guides. And all of them are available on there. Again, like go to the videos and just, it gives you a brief s- snippet about what's covered within the topics within each of the various. Worship guide, yeah, we'll right. call those today. We're gonna now. have to
0: fix that. I'm very concerned about that.
2: Well, I mean, you're right, though. I, Lisa, did such a phenomenal job of putting all of the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And again, I think you could use it individually if you wanted to. Yeah. I felt like every time I read them, I got something so good out of them. So,
0: yeah, so even as a devotional guide, on we could just mm-hmm. go read them absolutely. and learn from it. That, that's powerful.
2: absolutely, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Katie. Thank you for coming and sharing your your enthusiasm and your work and your gifts. And we want to thank the listeners too. Thank you for joining us today. We hope it's been helpful to you. And remember that you can find more information at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. And we want you to tell us what you think. So send us an email, make a comment. But until next time, we'll be praying for and with you and your congregation. So may God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.